the volume. The Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 18887897777 or visit ccpg.org/chat for Connecticut 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com/rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Virginia 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Oh yes, if you've already clicked on this link to listen to this episode of The Sessions, then you know that Billy Gunn is the guest today. Um, I'm so happy that we got Billy on and we just got to like shoot the shit. He kind of gets into it at the top, but yeah, I ran into him at a signing when we were... uh, out in Nashville he's like why have I not been on your show and I was like that's a really great question let's spin this up um so I was so happy to have him on here I mean there's so many different things to talk to this guy about and just like a fun energy he's always like ready to go always there for a good time Uh, and I feel like that's exactly what this episode is I mean whether we're going down memory lane of his amazing like tags career to what his singles career could have looked like if done a little bit differently um, his relationship with China, working with DX, um, the insanity that came out of that, why suck it is such a big deal, to now working with his sons and what his role is like uh, within AEW and just how much fun this man is having at this point in his career. He is an absolute gem of a human being. Super pumped to have him on. I think you guys are really going to like this. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here is Billy Gunn. Yes, so this finally happened. Like, I mean, I had to like literally force myself upon you to get you to do this. But I mean, it was like in passing, as you were walking, I said, hey, do you ever want me to be on your podcast? And you went, oh, yeah, yeah, why not? Well, first of all, let me just let everybody know that you give me a hard time every single time I see you. Um, And honestly, sometimes I'm like, I don't know if people want to come on the show, who wants to shoot the shit? Who wants to come on and hang out? Sometimes I feel bad asking people. You're a busy guy. Never feel bad about asking me anything because I love to do stuff because like yours, I want to do because you have, you've always had such a great energy and I'm such an energy person. Like I feed off of that. How is the move going? You're in the middle of moving right now. What's happening? We are in the middle of moving. I don't know if I can 
say what I'm moving up there for, but yes. Oh. Yeah, it's secretive. It's very good, but it's very secretive. So we have been going back and forth and being as I'm never home, I have to fly there and fly back. And me and the boys just drove up and drove back and it's just a nightmare. And then of course my wife stresses out and starts screaming at me for no reason whatsoever. I do the same thing to John. He's always like, why are you yelling at me? I'm like, I don't think I am, but I just always have this tone. (laughs) So it's It's hard to shake it. It's my fault for not staying home, but it's really her fault because she does all my booking. So I don't like, she literally started, she's like, you're never home. What are you going to help? I went, babe, you do like, stop booking me. (laughs) Clear the schedule. God, I wish I was in charge of John's booking. I'd be like, okay, let's get you home for a minute. Actually, his schedule is not bad right now, but. I feel her pain otherwise. But it's, well, you know, being as a um, released road dog from up there, everybody wants me and him to do signing. So it's, you know, the, everything opened back up and me and him have a lot of fun and it's hard to not do stuff with him. So it's, you know, it's trying to fill in between. And, you know, unfortunately, we shoot TV in the middle of the week, so it leaves my weekends open. <laughs> Which is great. Thank God. God, you and Road Dog together, just the best. I mean, obviously, like, television-wise and wrestling-wise, but just, like, seeing you two as, like, pals is the best. That's the thing between – it's, like, not just t- – it's, like, people don't understand. It's not just TV. It's, like, every day. It's, like, any time we're together, it's it's one – one tries to bury the other one, and then the one, you know, makes fun of the other one. But we just – that's just us. We just like to have fun. And it, and it's especially at signings, we're like ridiculous. And if you put Austin and him close by each other, it's even worse. I walked into the middle of that. I was in the tornado of like the, the road dog, Billy Austin tornado. I was like, I got to get out of here. I don't know what's happening. We call it the new age outlaw experience. It is an experience. It is a full immersive experience. Um, what is your downtime like? Because you do have this really high energy. What do you like come down? What happens? I don't. I come down when I finally sleep, I think. Like I'm not like this all the time, but I am a majority of the time. So my downtime is the gym. I think my downtime is the gym. If I were to think and go, hey, what is that? But I've got so many good things going on right now that it's hard to have downtime you know you just have to we all just ride that wave while it's hot i mean because there's going to come a time where you cool off and then you don't have anything and then you're you know complaining because you're not doing anything and then you complain because you're doing too much so it's a you know catch 22 let's talk about this bod at the gym because i mean obviously you look great that's been your thing for forever um, what, what are you doing to maintain this physique and also just like going at the level that you're still going at? What do you do to kind of take care of yourself? So I do a lot of things that we never did before. Like I'm very much into knowing what my body is doing and what it's telling me before I just beat it to death and just go, please stay together. <laughs> please just stay together. <laughs> but, but yeah, as we get older and we like, I'm really into this bodybuilding thing or not so much the bodybuilding, but just the health aspect. Like I carry my food everywhere. I have all my food with me at all times. I'm just very aware of that. And I really am because I literally had to find something other than wrestling to do because it was consuming my life. And I, and I don't complain about that because I love it. I really do. I've always loved it. Now I love what I'm doing now because I'm coaching and getting to spend time with the boys and do stuff with the boys and watch their career get better. But for me, 
there has to be me and it's the gym. And if people around me, the boys are into that as well. So it's the gym thing for me. So, and I really like it. And now I like really search for what works for me, like how it makes me feel, what I do, what kind of food, like, like I never knew that you could actually change your body with food. Like I thought, thought it was just, you know, you just eat to do what you do and that's it. That's the one thing that always will bum me out. Cause I'm like, if I work out really hard, let me eat the bad things, but it doesn't work that way. It's like that cruel, cruel reality that like, no, like you have to eat properly in order for all the things to work together. And it breaks my heart. I thought like that as well. I like, I'll just out train my diet because I eat like, cause I was never a dieter or a, like I would eat okay, but I'm the guy that will stop at Burger King in a heartbeat and just down it all. Because I've always had those genetics, you know, that I've never really had to worry about that. So, but now I worry about it because if my diet's on point, my training's on point. If my diet shifts a little bit, my training suffers and I can't have that, but it all, it all works hand in hand. And I never knew that. So I'm like, it's very exciting for me to learn these things. What foods work for me, what foods don't, how, you know, just training wise, what works, what doesn't. And I'm doing, and I have a bunch of cool people around me too, that are helping me with that, which is really because I can, you know, bounce stuff off of them. They let me, you know, what their thought is and what my thought is. And it's, I'm real, like, I'm having a blast doing it. Although it is like, I have to, t- like an overnight trip, I take like five bags with me. Oh my which God. Is like my wife knew what <laughs> I did, but until she kind of like got in the room and traveled with me the one time, realized, why do you bring all this? I said, I need it all. I have one, like I have one bag that's a kitchen, my working bag, and then my other bag full of food. And then my other bag that just, you know, essentials that I need. And it's like, she, you're insane. Like, that's just ridiculous. Okay. If you can pick one of these items from your bag, everything else goes. What is the one thing that you keep? Probably peanut butter. Oh my guy. Yes. Yeah, smooth or crunchy? Smooth because it, <laughs> it just mixes in all my shakes better. Plus you can just eat it and it's a good source of, you know, just like a quick snap of energy. So yeah. You don't have to tell me when I was pregnant, all I ate was peanut butter sandwiches. Like I think my kid is made of peanut butter. I was obsessed. I still am. Like John's like, who, how are we going to do as much peanut butter? I'm like, shut up. Don't look at me. Like I can't get enough of it. It does everything. Like, and it's really good. Like it just, it's so it's just, good. Yeah, it's an all around, just, it's an all around essential food. So <laughs> uh, I'm with you. Kick off week one with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up with the promo code Renee to get in on the action. Then you can turn game day into payday all season long. Uh, some of the type of bets that we've got, we've got win totals, division winners, Super Bowl winners, player props, week one spreads and totals. The list goes on and on and on. So play your way and bet on more than just the final score. Wager on everything from touchdowns to total yards to catches. You can even combine your bets with a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Don't fumble your chances to get $150 in free bets, win or lose. Use the promo code Renee. That's R-E-N-E-E. Make every moment more fun with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 
Disclaimer, 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonuses issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789. 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming or visit www.gambler.net for West Virginia. Do you ever like just kind of stop and be like, holy shit, like I'm out here working with my sons. You get to be there with them through like their journey through professional wrestling. Did you always know that they were going to get into this world? Like, what is that whole story? That's an every time I see them like thing. Like it's just, yeah, it is amazing. And like if you ask them, it's now it's getting annoying because I literally coach when I'm out there. So it's it's kind of cool to be able to do that. And they realize that and they know, but sometimes they just kind of want to go through the motions and I'm literally out there just, you know, they're going to, dad, stop for one second. Just stop for one second. Stop going. But um, no, it, it's it's so much fun. It really was. It, it, it was good. It's good. It's, you know, to be able to watch because Austin was in it first. I knew Austin was going to be the one. Colton, not so much because Colton has had his life planned out since he was five till he was 60. He's that kid. Me and Austin live like literally second to second. Like we don't care about anything. Like so because Paula says it all the time. She goes, don't get mad at him. He's exactly like you. Like you guys are the exact same. Um no, you know, the deal with the, the boys was they had to graduate college and then they could do whatever they want. Like, I'm OK with that because I've been doing this so long and I don't have any regret for this, but I never really had anything to back it up. Like if they, like if wrestling was over today, I wouldn't have a clue what to do. So I just wanted to make sure that the boys had a plan other than this, because no, just because I had a good career doesn't mean that all of a sudden your kids are good. Unfortunately, they were good. So, so that was like, like <laughs> But Austin, literally, the, the, when he walked up on the stage to get his diploma, he walked from the stage to where we were sitting and said, OK, here we go. I wish I was more like that sometimes. I feel like I'm more like Colton. I'm like that planner. I'm thinking like 10 steps ahead or at least trying to. I'm like, God, I wish I could just like not overanalyze every little step. But Colton, and I think that really helps him and how he became so good so fast is he analyzes everything sometimes it's to the point of irritation like it's just sometimes you just gotta let things flow but he analyzes and analyzes and analyzes and then now i think he's at a point where he kind of will let some stuff go but he still does that which is a good thing it's just sometimes we just need to you know doing this job we just need to let things roll and let them fall however they fall what are like your guys I guess, like, dynamic in roles between, like, the three of you. I mean, obviously, you're out there as, like, the coach for them and kind of steering the way for them within this business. But what is, like, the dynamic between the two of them usually? I think it's really good. I think they're both they're both different. And I've always tried to tell them that at the beginning. Austin is so full of energy and charisma and, and so over the top that I just, like, my thing with Colton is you cannot match that. Because then it comes off as phony. Just be you. 
just be you and you two working together. You'll find that rhythm where both of you will become one and be able to do that. Like I like to compare them to me and Brian. And I only compare that only because I know that dynamic. Me and Brian are totally opposite. I could never talk on the mic like he could. I could never have that kind of charisma like he has. But I have my things. And when we combine those two, they work really good because neither one of us is trying to force what we are not good at. We realize what we're good at and we go, okay, I'm good at this. You're good at that. How do we make it all gel? And I think they're really good at doing that. Sometimes you see somebody that's so entertaining and so energetic. And so you just go, well, if I don't do that, then I'm going to get left behind. And it's, that's not true. What happens is when you try to catch that, you get left behind. Because it's very, that's not your personality. And now you're trying to do something that's so outside your personality that you it comes off fake and it comes off force. And when that happens, people just instantly check out. And if they do that, it takes forever to catch them back. Were there hiccups for yourself through your career, somebody that's worked in tags so much through your career that you had to kind of live and learn through that? I think a little bit, but I've been extremely fortunate. A lot of people will say, you know, hey, you're probably one of the best tag team guys there is. And that's not that's not true. Like, I I personally don't think that's true. I personally had great partners. The only dynamic is, is I've been the one that kept going. It's not that they didn't want to. They just had other things in their life to do. But I've had great partners that I've never had to force. The, even when me and Chuck did the Chuck and Billy thing, that was so out of the spectrum of things to do. But we both had to be on board to do it because of just what I said. If, if I'm in it and you're not in it, we'll know that. To portray the characters that we were portraying at the time, we both have to be on board because if you're not, people will see through that. And that's the thing. And then when me and Bart started, we were the same. Neither one of us jockeyed for position. And with me and Brian, it was never that way either. So I've been extremely lucky to have partners that I never had to, to worry about that. But I know that's a thing because I've seen it so many times that you have one guy that's really fun and exciting, but you can be that too. Just be you. Don't try to force feed that. Yeah. And it's, I think that can be really hard to kind of stay in your own lane. And like, I definitely like feel like I try to match people's energy sometimes, whether it's going up or down. Um, so I feel like, yeah, it's hard to kind of just stick in your lane sometimes and know if, if I'm not that high energy person, what is my thing? How can I still let that shine? But I guess that's just a thing that really takes time and practice, right? Yes, we do all fight that because I fight it sometimes too. I fight, uh-oh, am I losing, you know, when I'm still doing what I'm doing, am I losing me? And I just go, no, because people know me. So it's okay. You know, at this level, I know how to turn it off and how to turn it on and when to do it because I'm very much into reading people. I don't, I'm not a wrestling person. <laughs> I love to read people and then I wrestle to what the people want. I don't wrestle to what I want. And I feel a lot of that is missing today. We're not wrestling for the people who come and fill our buildings and pay all this money to watch us. We just wrestle for ourselves. Like how many cool things can I do? But that's not how it is. That's never how it's been for me. I always wrestle for the people. Obviously, things have changed so much, especially in the last couple of years in wrestling of what the style is. And it has changed a little bit, I think, in terms of like what fans want in terms of like, you know, watching matches that have more spots in them and whatnot. But I think it always comes back to the emotion and it, is, it always comes back to feeling what the crowd feels. How do you 
teach someone to understand that when they're out there? That is a great question, and it is extremely hard to do. You have to have a trust with all talent when you do that. And it's not like, okay, you're the head coach, so I instantly trust you. You know, or, hey, you've been doing this for 30-something years, I instantly trust you. It's not a, it's not a thing. It's just not how we're built or how we're, we're programmed to do. If they would just trust it and understand that we're here to show you that direction and get you over, like a bunch of wrestling moves is just a bunch of wrestling moves. If I don't have emotion in the people's backing, they'll just forget about it the next match they see because they're going to see the exact same thing. When you tell them, okay, how about taking this out? They hear, hey, you don't want me to do my stuff. And I'm like, that's not true. It doesn't have to be a five-star match or WrestleMania match every time you're out there. Like they'll do that on dark and it's nothing against a darker elevation show. Those are our secondary shows. Even when you're on dynamite and rampage doesn't mean that you have to unload everything you have in seven minutes. So like, that's crazy because now you're just going through stuff. You're just going through the motions and you're not in it. So if you're not in it, how would you want me to be in it? But then they'll do something like some crazy thing that thinks that the people are in it, but they're just reacting because They can't do that. And it's pretty cool, but it's very unforgettable. So I think just building trust with the talent and getting them to just, hey, trust, just do it this one time. But then they get in there and then they just get, again, I have to go through, like I was taught a bunch of wrestling moves, so I have to do them all. (laughs) Let me get my shit in. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Like that's just a, a, a thing is just like they have to slow down. Like they don't realize do you want to do this for a long time or do you just want to do it for a couple of years? Because your body can't take all that. They're just beating themselves to death. Instead of when they get to one of those high caliber matches, once they get there, what do you have to show me? No, it's a really good point. And also just like longevity wise is like, it's one thing to go out and do a bunch of moves and be this amazing athlete. And I'll applaud that all day long, but also like the character development to coincide with that. So we have memorable characters and having that emotion that, that fans can really attach themselves to. Then you don't have to necessarily be putting in all of these crazy nuts matches. <laughs> can slow her on down a little bit. Um, so other characters that do definitely evoke a lot of emotion out of people that you've been able to work with Dan Housen and the acclaimed. What, what is your relationship like with those guys? You know, Dan Housen started all this ass boy stuff on the cruise ship that just kind of stuck. And then it was I thought it was amazing. He's such a different character that a lot of people I don't get it, but I really like him. The acclaim have something special. They're still in that. Hey, I want to do this rap and be very entertaining. But what about my wrestling? Well, it'll fall into place. You have to just give it time to figure out what what is natural and what is it. You have something right now that's really entertaining. It's okay to hang your hat on that right now. It's okay. It's okay. Brian had that, ladies and gentlemen, that nobody on this, I don't think anybody on this planet doesn't know it. But so it's okay that they get into that and they understand that because that's meaning I have everybody's attention now. So no matter what wrestling I do, I have their attention. But I'm setting it up with something cool, like what they do, the, that whole that whole spiel that they do. Now it's just don't worry about because they want to do that and everybody's into it. Then they want to wrestle really serious. So it, it's a little bit of a throw off dynamic and you can still you can still get there. Don't force feed it. Just stick with that right now and everything else will fall into place. And I think that's what I'm here to help them do is to try to get them get them to understand that just kind of let things flow. It's going to come. 
How has the adjustment been for you in general in your time now in AEW? It's been a little while now, um, as opposed to your time that you had in WWE. But I, I was reading something before about you adjusting to sort of the lack of structure that is there as opposed to what can sometimes be a rigid structure within WWE and kind of making that adjustment because that is a real thing. I think everyone thinks, oh, I want all of this freedom and I want to do these things. But then sometimes you get that and you're like, oh, shit, what am I doing now? (laughs) I think that was my biggest thing is I've never like I was extremely I won't deny that I was extremely lucky in this business. I literally went from training a day to instantly being in a WWE superstar all of a sudden and didn't know how to handle that because I didn't know anything about wrestling. I wasn't the one that watched it when I was a kid. I never even knew what it was till the one day that I stepped in the ring. That was it. What was the first match that you saw then? Do you remember what the first thing was that you actually saw when you were like, what am I getting myself into? I forget what it was, but it was something because when me and Bart trained, we would watch videos on the, on the thing because we didn't have a teacher. We just had a ring. The coach never wanted to show up or the guy never wanted to show up. So we would watch videos and then go in the ring and do them and literally almost kill each other because we don't know what we're doing. I mean, he had a little bit of an amateur background, so he kind of knew a little bit more than I did. So it was just, you know, following him and under. But I didn't know how to put we just used to beat the life out of each other, you know. So I don't remember exactly what the first match was, but it was I wasn't watching it for the people. I was just watching it for what they were doing and then we could emulate it. So we were trying to learn like that which was insane but just being in that wwe structure for so long you know luckily i was i was there for 14 years then i took a break or got fired then i came back i say break it's really fine it depends Um, on who you ask right (laughs) (laughs) apples oranges what the hell but then came back and then was fired and then came back so I'm very used to that. I'm very, and I'm a very structured person, especially in the wrestling business. The more structured you are, the better things are because it's not, hey, I tell you this, you tell me that, I tell this, they come back and tell me, I go over your head and get another answer and I don't do it. So now everybody's mad at me. So that's very uneasy for me. Up there, there's one thing. And if you don't like it, you ask that one person and they say, no, you'll do it that way. So you do it that way. And I'm not saying it's not good at AEW. I'm just saying it's a little, a little bit on the Wild West side, which I guess if you're, you're used to that, then it's okay. I am not used to that. And it's, and it's, that's the hardest adjustment to get is to understand that kind of dynamic of we all need to be on the same page, but I feel we still have a little bit of too many people being able to do a bunch of different things. How was it for your boys like that? Because if they don't know anything different and they're in that world, do they find the same thing? Or is it because you, you've been in that WWE? No, because dad puts the brakes on them. And it's not a bad thing. They just have to understand that structure is a good thing in the wrestling business. I still let them be them. I just have to. I can't control everything. And I can't. I have to let them either make mistakes and fix them because I can't. Like if I hear them going over a mistake, I don't fix it because then they're never going to learn. That's got to be so hard to do. Oh, I literally just want to run around the corner, start screaming and bang my head on a wall and go, why do they not understand this? But then again, I have to realize Everything like I know the situations and normally I can kind of get around those. But sometimes I don't always know what's best. 
So let them do it. Let them come to me and go, Ooh, that felt a little off. And I say, would you like for me to tell you why that felt off? And it's not that it's wrong. It's just, you did it at the wrong time. That's mostly how it is. They just, they put stuff in the wrong place and the wrong time. That's all. It's not that it's right or wrong because we're not trying to reinvent the wheel, but you still want to tell a story and still want the people to be able to follow along. It's okay to do that. So cool that you're able to like be out there. I mean, just for everybody. I know you're not just working with your boys, but to, to be there and like be so hands-on with all that stuff, it's like really great. It's funny having like our, I mean, we have a daughter now and I'm sure by the time she was ever even close to wrestling, John's going to be probably long gone from the business. But like, I, I can't even imagine what that would look like. John on the road with like one of our kids trying to like teach them wrestling. Oh my God, Lord have mercy. Um, What do you think... Looking at what has been, I guess, like kind of a pretty crazy month in professional wrestling, but now seeing that Hunter is head of creative with WWE. Like it's weird. Like you you get rid of him and then he comes back and then he hires back. I don't know if that's kind of like a power play that he's pulling. Like, I don't know. I don't really keep up with what's going on there because it has nothing to do with me anymore. So Every time I hear something or see something or all these people are coming back, you're going, okay, it's a power play. And he's trying to, you know, kind of cement his little, this is what I'm here for. And this is what I'm doing. But you you almost feel like, okay, you have to do that. If I'm bringing you back and you're putting, you have to do some kind of changes. Yeah. I don't know what that's all about, to be honest with you. I find it just so interesting, kind of like watching it. Like I'm, you know, same as you. It's like, I, 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 I probably keep maybe more tabs on it, just like flipping through like my Twitter feed and kind of seeing what's going on. I'm like, wait, what's happening? Oh my God. Like, it's just so crazy. Like keep your head on a swivel and like just what wrestling has become. I mean, just from having AEW surface as being this like awesome opportunity for people to be able to go. And now so many amazing, talented people are there to now all these changes in WWE. It's a, it is a crazy time to stay on top of. Holy shit. It is. It's like trying to keep track of all that. It's like a job in itself. It's more you just have to you just have to keep focus on your product because that's the only thing that you can, you know, either change or help change or be a part of to kind of just keep things on track. When do we get to see Road Dog back together with Billy Gunn? I would love to. I mean, I would love for him to come there. I think he has so much to offer that people don't understand. They don't understand how much of a main person he was in that structure up there. He literally wrote every show up there and he's very good at making talent good at promos, which I feel we need a little bit of help on. Um, Yes, I know because I've been around great promo guys. I'm not a great promo guy, but I know great promo. I know how to deliver and all that other stuff. So, but that's, that's a thing, right? If you never were good at it and I'm trying to tell you how to do it, what are you going to, why would you listen to me about promos? You know, so that's that's the thing also. But I mean, I've been around it, so I know it like I know a good one from a bad one. And I know when you're trying to force me something when you're not trying to force me something. But Brian is super good at all that. He I think he would be so beneficial to what we did. But um, it's you know, it's not up to me to hire him. Literally, when we first started this, I mean, you talk like energy from people. I feel like he is obviously one of those people, too. It's just like he's a good energy to be around on like a long TV day. He is a good energy and he's very knowledgeable and very smart about this business. He'll make you back off of your stuff, but then you can always bring it back around. I think um, 
Hawk that works for us, the bastard Hawk, is a good example. When he came to the performance center, I was still coaching there. And this kid can do everything. And I mean everything at a high level and is amazing. But it was like the same thing. It was like, why are you doing all this? And once he finally understood that, now you can see a transition. And he's probably he's one of the best guys that we have, in my opinion. You know. Because he knows when to turn it on. He knows what to put in. He knows when to take it out. And it's not that he doesn't do all this stuff. He does it all when he needs to do it. He has been able to really maintain sort of this like mystique about himself. I'm sure being stuck in England with visa issues <laughs> leads to that <laughs> as well. But he he just he does such a great job. I'm such a fan of him, like as a wrestler, as his character. He's he's always been fun to watch, whether it was like Neville in uh in NXT and WWE and what he's doing with Pac is is so so great. Um the differences between coaching in WWE and coaching in AEW, what does that look like? I don't think it's that different. I mean, it's, it's, it's you go back to it. It's just slow down to, you know, we have to like, it's, I say it every single time. I'm like, slow down. Like you have yours in such a, I don't know what you're in such a rush for. What are you, where are you rushing to get to? Like, and you ask them and they have no idea where they're trying. I'm like, okay, so just slow down. Like in WWE, I, I don't want to say they listen more because it's not, that's not true. We're just taking a little bit more serious, I think. Like everybody in WWE knows that's what we're there for. And you can come to us anytime you want and run an idea by or do that. And I think not that they don't want to. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know. AEW, like I'll have a couple guys, Hobbs, um, Ricky Starks, a couple of guys that come to me daily, they don't realize how good that makes us feel that they're, because I'm not chasing you down to ask you if I can help you. If you don't want my help, then you, then I'm not going to force myself on you because that's just not how it works. But I'm more than happy to help you if you come to me and go, Hey, can you help me with this? Or can you watch this and show me this? And, and so there's a few people that take advantage of that. I just don't know like I'm trying to figure out what what it is. I don't it's not a bad thing, but it's just a like I don't and it's not that they know everything. It's just maybe it's me and my demeanor sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if there's part of it though that sort of is like A, just wanting to figure it out on their own, or that they don't I don't know if it's like an ego thing of not wanting to ask for help, or if it's having known so much of what you hear about in WWE of like, we've got the coaches and we've got this, and we've got the creative team. And, and AEW is so not that, that they're like, well, I don't want to have this system or like, I don't want to have this coach that's going to tell me the things to do. Like I'm the wrestler. I know what to do. I wonder if there's like any part of, of that, of just like the like lore of it. I think it's that. And I think it's, it's, if I go like, if I say just for me, so if I go to Billy and I ask him all this and I don't do it, He's going to be really mad and he's really going to lose his mind. And that's not the case. Like, I tell you all these things that have worked, like they'll work. I'm not saying that they're going to work for you, but there is bits and pieces that will work. So I think that when they come and ask and you give them, hey, this, this and this and this, and you don't go out there and do it, that we'll get super mad. And that's not the case. Like, I'm telling you these things because you ask. And if you don't want to utilize them, that's on you. That's not on me. But you can't come to me 
every single week and ask me the same question and not do what I'm telling you to do. At some point, what I'm asking or telling you, you have to at least try or implement it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I think that's a lot of it too, is they'll, they'll come and ask and go, oh God, now I got to go out there and just punch and kick and I can't do any of my It's so great. Um, let's talk a little, uh, Chuck and Billy, when this idea came around and you guys started to, was it you guys that pitched this? Was the idea pitched to you? What is sort of the origin story of that? So the ideal pitch was at that time we had all the, the Trishes and the, the Stacys and all the, all the super hot girls that just had everything. They had makeup people. They had, you know, they really didn't wrestle. They wrestled to rip their clothes off kind of thing. And it was, it was, Hey, we have this idea that you guys are like divas. Like we'll give you the hairdressers, the blow dryers and all that. It started like that. Then (laughs) it went, how about, (laughs) but it was, But at that, like I tell it, like everybody goes, well, what was that about? And I go, it was awesome. You know, it was awesome because at that point in my career, if you're not like, I love challenging myself to do different things. Right. And at that point in my career, I was looking for a challenge. I was not that I was maybe not that I was looking for a challenge, but I wanted something to challenge me and to try to pull that off and make the WWE universe think that I was gay is, is good. Like that's really good. So me and so when they came and said, okay, now we want you to do this. Me and literally me and Chuck had, like I was saying before, we had a conversation. Hey, if we do this, we have to go all in. Like we have to go, like, it's not going to be anything disgusting or raunchy. So we don't have to worry about that, but I'm sure that we're going to do some crazy things just to plant it in people's minds. And we did, but we had to be on the same page and we both had to be invested and we both had to do it a hundred percent, whether we fall flat on our faces or not. And luckily at first, the people were a little off kilter of what was going on, especially when I, you know, did the thing in the ring and asked him to be my life partner. Everybody just went, oh, my God, what is wrestling come to? This is ridiculous. But the funny thing is, about two to three months in, I think people realize, holy cow, this is pretty good. And they're having a lot of fun. It's we did the swimsuit thing with the girls where we did the pose. Oh, my God. It was so, like, I will not lie. It was so uncomfortable. That was one of the things that we went, hey, this is this is a sink or swim moment because we had to practice that. They made us do a little rehearsal. Uh, and you sure know how do. That goes, Everyone right? around the ring. Like, every, and I mean, it wasn't just a few. They all came because they all like it was like that was the most nerve wracking thing. It wasn't so much doing the poses and how we were doing it. It was all the boys. Like, I think that place was full of there wasn't one person in the back. They all just wanted to walk. <laughs> So catering cleared out. Yes. But luckily for us, it, it worked and we had fun and nobody took it that serious. This business is made to be fun. Like it really is. Come on. Like really, you get to get paid to travel around the world and do something that you love. Like how stressful can that be? Yeah. Some of the backstage and all that stuff and trying to jockey for position is too much. And I've never been into that. I've always just said, hey, my work either speaks for me and I do it that way. I'm not 
going to go in there and start doing all this politicking and jockey and stuff. It's too much work for me. Like, I just, <laughs> yeah. like I'm having fun. I get a paycheck every week. I get to travel around the world. I get to act like a complete goof. Like, like, like who else is good? Where, where am I going to find that job? Well, I'm not going to find that job. So we were having fun. We were playing characters that were so outside of us, but people bought in because it was like, holy cow, they're doing a really good job of this. <laughs> like, so let's get into this, you know? So it was, it was a lot of fun. It really was. And it was very challenging. And, and luckily, you know, Chuck was on boards and we pulled it off and it was something that was really good. I mean, we were on, I'll tell you a funny story is Chuck had called me and goes, oh my God, you're not going to believe this. And I went, what? He goes, we're in Time Magazine. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I opened Time Magazine. You know, that's the president's magazine, right? <laughs> I didn't even know the president had a magazine. Yeah, Time Magazine is the president's magazine. And we're in it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> because like in the back, in the back, like about three quarters of the way through, there was a picture of me and Chuck in there. And it goes, hey, WWE goes outside bound or something like that. And he thought it was the greatest thing. And I read it and I said, yeah, this is awesome. This is a president's magazine. That we're in. <laughs> yeah. But it went from us doing one thing one night to being on Good Morning America, the Howard Stern show. We did every news outlet. So people were like wanted to know and they wanted to know what it was. And we just, you know, we did a good job of, of pulling it off. And it was fun. It really was. It was definitely fun. I mean, you've obviously had so much success uh, in your tags career. Um, what do you think made DX so great? And could another faction ever come close to what you guys did with DX? I say no, only because, and if people don't know, the DX documentary is out, which was done really well, I thought, and it was a lot of fun to do. But I don't think you can have another DX by no means, only because like what I've been talking about. Everybody knew their spot. Everybody knew their positioning. So it wasn't like we never looked at Hunter as our leader and end all be all. It wasn't that. You just need somebody at the top and then you have all the cool stuff filling in. Yeah. But he was still at the same level we were. We didn't think of, you know, he was, you know, Tony Khan and we were, you know, the guys that brought catering in at no means did we ever. And I'm just giving that as a dynamic. I don't mean it like that. Everybody knew their spot. Everybody knew their positioning. Everybody fed off of each other and did what they were good at. And that's what made us so good. That and some really cool stuff that we did just being outlandish and ridiculous. So I, I don't think that you could have that because like nowadays, everybody's like wants to be that guy or girl, or whatever, and they don't, like me and Brian, X-Pac, China, we all knew our spots, and we never wanted that spot, because Hunter had it, and Hunter was good at what he did there, you know, so that's the thing, I think you can't have that many people that aren't trying to move in positioning, and it was at a special time in wrestling, so I don't, I don't really think that you could get that many people that had those different kinds of personalities to gel all at once. That's the biggest thing. Did you guys know at the time when you started doing the chops and the suck it that it would be a thing that people still say and do to this day? Like even people that don't even know that that might be a wrestling-related thing, that that just became this like cultural thing, phenomenon. 
there's not a person on the planet that doesn't know that. Like, oh, you're the suck it guy. <laughs> yeah. Sure am. Or, you're, or you're, the, you're the ass guy. You're the Mr. Ass guy. Yes, that's me. But it's, yeah, you never, like, you never know what's going to stick to the wall when you throw it. You never do. You just do it. And then everybody either comes along or they don't, or they don't buy into it. But at the time when we did it, that was the thing. Hey, you wanted to do this. You wanted to tell everybody to do this. So it's just, and then it just became so ridiculously hot that everybody, like from football players to actors to tennis players, you know, you hit a tennis shot and you'll see somebody do this. You go, really? That's really (laughs) so crazy. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah, it, it is. It's it's crazy to even think that that's a thing. And you look back and you go, so that's what I'm known for: this and being Mr. Ass. Not bad, I wouldn't say. I mean, I would put that on my resume if I was had that kind of credit. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah. I'm a fan. <laughs> uh, what was it like working with China? What was your relationship like with her? Oh, my best friend. She was amazing. She really was in all aspects of life. Great to train with, great to, you know, just be friends with her. She really, and it, and it even to this day will still gets me a little rocked up because it just, it, it, she was that special to me. Like she really was. When she first passed, I was so mad at her. Like, it's just a, like, that's just life. That's just what we do. Like, I didn't know how bad her struggle was because I went through the same thing. Luckily for me, I came out on the good side of that. It doesn't mean that I don't struggle with it every day. It just means that today I have it under control because I had connected back with her like a couple of weeks before this all happened. You know, she was worried about, hey, I'm trying to get back in the flow of things. But every time I go to these promotions, you know, guys are just, you know, trying to take it. And I, I said, I get it. All you have to do is call me. I'll do them with you. I'll do do whatever it is. And I'm not trying to make me sound like the savior at all, but I'm just saying she was that good to me. My wife literally said, hey, you need to get her out of L.A. Just have her move with us. You guys can travel. And, you know, because my wife is, is one of the most special people on the planet. So she is awesome. And she knew our relationship and never had a problem with it. It was more of a brother and sister thing, you know, so it was it's it's horrible when things like that happen. But if you stay in that life, if you stay in that, it's going to get you. It will. I wish there was I go, hey, if you do this, you might No, there is no might to any of that. It's all downhill and it goes downhill until you either die or you go to jail or whatever it is. And it's very cliche, but that's it's what happens. I'm allowed to say that because I was there and that's what was going to happen. I never in any aspect glorify this, but there is a bright side to this. Ask me and Brian. We were deep, deep in it. But luckily for us, we came out and we did the program and did what we were supposed to do. There wasn't any, hey, if I go this way, maybe it'll work. No, it doesn't. What was the turning point for you that you decided I need to pull myself out of this? What was that moment? When I woke up on my floor and everything that I had was gone, like my wife, my kids, my dogs, not like they like my dogs didn't even want to be in the same house with me. It was like my life was done. It was over. It was like I want to say I reached the bottom, but I was at the bottom to where death was next. And then that's just being real. Like that's, that was coming next and I knew it. And I was tired of living like that, but it was all me. It was no, nobody else. Cause I went to rehab once before because everybody was telling me to like, Hey, you have a problem. No, I don't. I can do anything I want with this stuff and I have it under control. No, no, no. It has you. <laughs> like, 
but it's hard for you to realize that when you're on this side of it. But when I finally woke up in the floor, I had like some kind of cans around me that had so much alcohol in it because I couldn't find the drugs that I was wanting. And just I was miserable. Everybody was gone. Everything in my life was nobody wanted to be around me. And I just sat there and went, "Okay, this is too much for me. This I have something has to change. And I literally picked up the phone within two hours. Somebody the WWE had sent a driver to my house. I was on a plane and gone wow. and from that day. From March 11th, 2011, I have it on my, on my wrist. That was the day that my I started a new life. And I literally followed the program to a T. I mean, to a T. It was like a 12-step program? Yes. I did an 18-month um, release from rehab. It was a new thing they were trying. They asked me if I wanted to try it because they didn't think that I, they said, well, you can go in a, in a sober living house for a while if you want. And I said, well, I would really like to try to get my life back on track. So we did this 18 month thing where they called me every day. And then if my, if I got a text that had a certain number, I had to go and have a urine test or whatever. And I said, yeah, I'll, at least that keeps me accountable and I'm okay with that. And then I did that. And then all of a sudden, my wife started talking to me again. My kids started talking to me. I got jobs here and there. And then all of a sudden, WWE hires me back, which I met because I went on a rant. I went ballistic. But luckily for me, they understood. They understood where I was coming from, what I was going through and stuff. And nobody ever held it against me. They just go, hey, you're, you're in a mess. But my life today without drugs, I've been drug and alcohol free for 11 years, has been amazing like it really had like if you would have told me that before i would have went okay i get it it's a thing you have to do you know go 90 and 90 and do all that stuff as a no but this time i took it serious and i did it and look what i have today what a relief it's actually it's so nice hearing that too i mean especially what like we've gone through like with what john's gone through it is really nice just being on the other side of that as much as Obviously, it can be such a struggle and there's the ups and the downs, but it's like, oh my God, life is so nice not having these horrible things bogging you down. It is. But on the other side of that, it's it's an everyday thing because I got all this back. It can be gone. Like I have to realize it can literally be gone within seconds. All I have to, all I have to do to ruin it is use. That's the, like that's the, like that's the reality. Like it took me 11 years to get where I am. To make, you know, because it's not, oh, you went to rehab, cool, then I forgive you and you're a, no, you're building, you're starting this to build this house all over again. I think so many people think that they're like, oh, I went to rehab and you come out and everything's just back to normal and squeaky clean and off to the races you go. And it's like, no, my God, it is yeah, not that. Like, this is when the work starts. Like, this is the work starts because you're literally building this 13 story house brick by brick and they're not big bricks, they're little bricks. But as long as you stay on that path, you'll be okay. And it doesn't mean today, just while I'm sitting here, that it's not a thing that doesn't go through my mind. Yes, have the cravings and all that backed off? Sure, they have. But it's not something that I take for granted. I just go, hey, I'm okay. I can do this and I can do that. That's why, like, I never had a problem with alcohol. I hate alcohol, but I won't touch it because I know if I go there, I'm going somewhere else. If I let myself go there, then why don't I just, oh, my back hurts today. Why don't I take this? I'm okay because I've been clean for so long. No, it like the instant 
instantaneous. Like I've had surgeries and everything and literally have lost my mind because I will not take it. I won't do it. But that's something you have to do. I don't not take this lightly. This is, you don't get to put stuff in me. You don't get, even when I had the surgeon they put me under, I had to know and research every single thing they put in me. I don't want to go there. I don't want to be that one that's dies. I just, <laughs> that's not, and that's what I go next. And I know that for a fact. But today, in this moment right here, I am golden. Football fans, check out the Three and Out podcast with John Middlecoff, only on the Volume Podcast Network. John brings his unique perspective as an ex-NFL scout to the volume to break down all the news around the NFL and college football. Whether you're looking for game predictions, coaching searches, the ins and outs of the NFL front office, even an occasional golf tip, John has you covered. Download Three and Out with John Middlecoff, only on the Volume Podcast Network. What do you think China would think of women's wrestling today and knowing at that time, do you think that she was aware of the path that she was carving for all of these women that are finally getting like truly their time in the sun? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think she knew it at the time, but I think towards the end of her run up there, she kind of knew hey, I'm doing something special. I'm empowering that know that I don't just have to have a match where somebody rips my clothes off. I think what women's wrestling has become is, I mean, for God's sakes, their main eventing everything. Like you had never thought that was a thing, but they're good enough that they can close the show or they can close a pay-per-view or do something like that, which is amazing. It really is, you know, but um, I don't, I don't think she knew the total impact of what she did, but she was definitely the main one to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you look at all the women, even just from like, like a looks wise to, to main eventing, like you said, to just like creating this different version of like what we always figured women's wrestling looked like. And she was really the first one, obviously, to just like fully carve that path. We would, I truly believe we would not have so many women even have interest in professional wrestling if it was not for China and what she had done. I think I could agree with that. If you had full creative control, you're in the driver's seat, what would you do differently in your singles career? I don't know. I just didn't like it. I'm just, I don't know. Like, I, I, like I, people have always asked me that. They go, hey, you should have had a bigger singles run. Yeah, but I didn't like it. Like, I don't know why I'm just not a singles guy. I work better with other people. I work better with certain guys like I literally can work with everybody I don't because I don't do a lot of stuff and I just I literally work off of what everybody else can do so everybody thinks I'm good (laughs) that's how how I that's how I faked it for so long is I'm just good at doing other people's stuff um I was lucky to have that run with rock and that was really it you know I did some stuff with shamrock which was super fun but I just, I don't know. I just never was into that singles thing. I just like the dynamic tags. I like all the stuff you can do. Plus I'm a control freak. So I like knowing what four other guys have to do and being able to come to me to get everybody back on track. I found that was my niche. Like being in tags is my thing. Being a singles is fun at times, but it's not my bag. So could you really feel it when you were just sort of like in those moments being like, this is not for me. I'm a little like, I don't know if uncomfortable is the word, but like just knowing that like this isn't where I'm happiest. No, I think uncomfortable is the word because there is an uncomfortable feeling that I have nowhere to go. Like it's all me. I'm okay with that. But like you said, it is uncomfortable. I have that. Okay. If something happens, 
I have to get myself out of it. And it's not meaning that I'm not good enough to do it. It is an uncomfortable feeling that the whole time I'm working, I'm just working for me. So yeah, I think uncomfortable is a good word for that, but it's not an uncomfortable that hinders me from doing what I need to do. I don't know. I just, yeah, every time I'm in them, I just, like, there wasn't ever that thing that I go, geez, I could be a great singles guy. (laughs) Like, that that thought never came across my brain. What was your reaction to when you went over to New Japan and when you were working with Tanahashi and got such a great reaction to your match with him? That was my bucket. Like, that was, other than the kids wrestling with them, that was my bucket list. I had always, since I started in this, I kind of had a thing for this Japan thing. Like they work a little bit more like I do. Like I'm a little bit, I work like a man. So (laughs) we're a little bit, you get jerked around a little bit more. Things are a little snugger. And I like that um, because none of it's reckless. Like I ain't into the just throw me and hopefully I land okay kind of thing. When they called me and asked me to come over there, I didn't hesitate, even though I was a little older and I went, how long is this a month? And then I come home for a week and then go back and do the Tokyo Dome. Ooh, do you guys know who I am? I've been doing this a little while. It was like, that was super fun. And then I got to have that match in Long Beach with, with Tanahashi, who is by far mine and Austin's favorite wrestler. Like it's funny because, because Austin is absolutely in love with Tanahashi. He loves him. I think everyone's in love with Tanahashi. John's definitely in love with Tanahashi. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's just the aura that he has or this thing that he has. He's such a nice guy. And the the coolest thing is he actually is the one that got that match because he wanted to work me. And I went, wait a second, he wants to work me? And he goes, yes, because like when we had that match, all he wanted to do was that sunset flip where I pulled his pants down. That's all he did. It's it's so funny. It's like, hey, you're Tanahashi, dude. We can do whatever you want. Like everybody here is here to see you. Like it's, and he goes, no, pull my pants. Me, I'll run my butt out the whole time. I I was like, oh my God, this is so good. So the thing with that whole Long Beach show is I thought mine and Tanahashi's match was awesome. But a lot of people, there was a backlash. One, that they didn't think that I deserved to be in that spot. We were semi-main event. It's not their traditional show. Kenny and some other, like, forget who it was, was on there. And they just literally, like, the, everything was such a, uh, for lack of a better term, spot fest. And the way that the Japanese wrestling okay. goes into 30-minute finishes and doing all kinds of stuff. And me, I thought me and Tanahashi just had a good match. We had a good storytelling match. And yes, the people kind of started getting to it. But, like, that was the biggest thing. It's like, okay, th- th- you guys had a good wrestling match. No, it was really good. And, and, if, and if you'll look outside of it being a spot fest. It was fun. It was good. We did what we should have done because you're not going to get all that crazy stuff out of me. Although Tanahashi can do it, you have to know who you're working in. He did. And he was super into what we did. Um, we had a lot of fun and it was like one of the highlights of my life. Like it really was because it was like I'd been wanting to do it for so long. Plus I did that whole month tag tournament thing that was absolutely amazing. And then got to go to the Tokyo Dome, which was, I've never seen that place inside. Holy smokes. It's amazing. It really is. I got to go over with John when he was wrestling there for Wrestle Kingdom and I was like enamored with it. So yeah, it was, it was great for me. And I really appreciate him being able to do that. And I appreciate them for letting me do it. 
Well, Billy, before I let you go, you're in the middle of moving. You've got um, plenty of things going on right now. Um, I can't help but notice that you're wearing a Yellowstone shirt. You wear the Yellowstone hat out to the ring. When is the next season coming out? Again? I wish I knew. And it's a it, Yellowstone's a thing for me because, as everybody knows, the first half of my life I trained horses and was into that, and I thought they did a great depiction of that ranch life and the family thing. And it was it's such a good show. The writing's so good, and the cast of characters are un, they're so good. Like they're you just like for everybody. Beth. Oh. You know, just probably, you know, if I didn't have my wife, I'd try to marry her. Only <laughs> I think everyone wanted to marry Beth. <laughs> I was like, I know a Beth in my life. Um, did you watch 1883 at all? I did. I did. And I thought it was okay, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's not Yellowstone. It's not the same thing. But Tim McGraw and Faith Hill, I was like, oh, shit, look oh at you guys gosh. go off. Yeah, they did an awesome job. Tim did a great job. So did she. Faith did a great job. It's all done really well. Like, it's not that I don't like it. I just, it's secondary to Yellowstone. I was a little iffy because I don't love like things that are like very period PC. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be into this, but we were, we like binged Yellowstone. We got into a little bit late. So we were like on the binge. Then it ended and we're like, well, shit, now what? And then we got into 1883 and we did really love it. But yeah, oh my God, I cannot wait for it to come back. Beth, we need more Beth in our lives, everybody. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, thanks for coming on the show. I'm so glad that we finally got to do this. Thanks for having me. I'm glad I, I'm glad I invited myself onto your show. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> the best. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. A big thanks to Billy for hanging out and also telling me that he needs to be on my show because he does. He does. We can all agree to that. No, that was a ton of fun. Um, Can't wait to find out why he's moving to Atlanta. Give me the scoopy scoop scoop. Well, guys, you know what to do. If you would like to see the YouTube version of this, just go to Renee Paquette. uh, Search that on YouTube. It's all up there. It all lives there as well as all these other episodes. We've got plenty more coming up. We've got the football season just around the corner. Who can we get from the football world onto this podcast? Dare I say I've got a good one lined up? It's going to be good. Yeah, I'm super pumped about this. Um, So guys, stay tuned. You know, all things sessions. We drop episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays everywhere that you listen to podcasts and everything also lives on the old YouTube page. So check it. All right, guys, until next time, this has been The Sessions. 